With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, I'm going to actually break into this now. This is the Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast. Your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiler. Well, should I break into this, Seth? I'm trying to say your name out loud more often because Radio pointed that out a couple weeks ago. (laughs) That not everyone knows who's who. I feel if we just start an episode with that. Yeah. Then. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. Maybe Maybe throw it in there. Although, sometimes when I think about it, like I listen to a bunch of podcasts that have two different people. And unless I listen to it for a really long time, I don't necessarily know who's who. It doesn't matter that much. No. Chapter 22, Watchers. And our symbol is the dagger. I'm not sure why. Maybe because they are talk They talk about Shadar Logoth? They do talk about Shadar Logoth. And sort of, they talk a lot about Toman Head, which is where Fane is heading. Oh, yeah, and they talk about the Watchers. But to be honest, that's a very... I would not use that header for this chapter. I would use, like, the Waves or something with Moraine. I'm going to keep that in the back of my head while I read through this again. Because, like, these are the Watchers. the, The title of the chapter is The Watchers Over the Waves. And I know later we get this great, it's more of a sea folk icon, but it's black and white waves moving back and forth. I think that would be ideal for this one. Oh, yeah. Nothing is happening as I expect, Moraine muttered, not expecting an answer from Lan. The long, polished table before her was littered with books and papers, scrolls and manuscripts, many of them dusty from long storage and tattered with age, some only fragments. The room seemed almost made of books and manuscripts, filling shelves except where there were doors or windows or the fireplace. Their chairs were high-backed and well-padded, but half of them, and most of the small tables, held books, and some had books and scrolls tucked under them. Only the clutter in front of Moraine was hers, though. And I think, as we mentioned in the last episode, uh, the first thing she says, nothing is happening as I expect, is an echo of what Rand says. Yeah, it's the last last thing Rand says at the end of the last chapter. And she is, what, in a place filled with books and manuscripts, and because she is at Adelius and Vandine's house. Yeah, they're twins. I thought they were not twins, just sisters. I thought they were twins. I thought nobody can tell them apart. Well, they can't tell them apart, but they're just sisters. Not that one's actually uh, older. Oh, I could have sworn they were twins. 
It says on the wiki that they're twins. The wiki is wrong. Oh, well, that happens. If you actually look at their birth age, it's a couple of years apart. Yeah, Encyclopedia-Watt says that they're sisters, not twins. Yep. Anyway, Moraine's hanging out here trying to get some research done to figure out what her next move is. And she has the thought, no one would expect her to come here. Yeah, one did not suspect such things in a small place like Tiffin's Well. Because they're living basically undercover. They're just two older sisters pretending to live just a quiet life. Yeah, and they kind of help out the local villagers, and the villagers are just appreciative and leave them alone. And the warder is just basically a gardener. He's an old man. Warders definitely, they tend to live longer, I thought, than normal people. Is that true? Yeah, they def- they definitely have an enhanced lifespan. I don't know by how much at all. I always thought it was just that they were like stayed in good shape as they got old, but they didn't necessarily live longer. Not to mention warders tend to, you know, die other reasons than old age but my you know i always think of warders kind of like you know a person might have multiple dogs i can definitely see an eye said eye you know if they live 300 years and a warder oh you're gonna get 40 good years out of them you could go through five six seven warders in your lifetime but back to none of the villagers had any suspicion that the two elderly sisters living in this snug house were eye said eye they're in arafel so this is where Moraine got off to when she disappeared from Swan's party. And this is actually the last time we see her until she shows up at Falma at the end of the book. You know, she learns that Falma, something's going down at Falma. This is kind of where she starts figuring it out. I suppose yeah. that's why this chapter is called Watchers. And so she heads in that direction. And it just takes her, I think, <laughs> you know, because Rand and the rest of the folks, they use like the portal stone. The girls use the way gate. Mm-hmm. Moraine is the one who actually has to travel overland. Anyway, so she says the house was the perfect place for Moraine to find the information she needed, except that it was not there. What specific information do you think she's seeking? She doesn't say specifically, but we do get hints based on what she later asks when she's talking to, is it Adelius that she has the long conversation with? Yes. Oh, geez. Well, no, it's one Van of the sisters. Okay, it's Van Dien. It's Van Dien. I I just interpreted it as her looking for what the next step is and trying to understand what's going to happen next. Okay. Where she needs to be. Just like not one specific. And she does say she isn't sure exactly what she's looking for. And she has the thought while she's talking to Van Dien to not give too much away. But that's all that we actually see. Mm -hmm. But before that conversation, Maureen has a conversation with Lan about passing his bonds. This was interesting. She says, well, she starts... Do you remember the first time we met, Lan? I remember was all he said. And still no apology, I suppose? You threw me into a pond. She'd not smile, though she could feel amusement at it now. Every stitch I had was soaked, and in what you border men call New Spring, I nearly froze. I also recall that while I slept that night, you dumped half the pond out on me. And so that's where the title for New Spring came from. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I just put that together while I was while I was reading that. Yeah. I'm sure it's mentioned in the book, but I, I only read New Spring, I guess, twice, mm-hmm. but a long time ago. I mean, New Spring is basically taking this chapter and fleshing it out. 
and making it into a full story and adding yeah. sort of the beginnings and ends of it. But this whole chap, this whole like discussion between Lana Moraine is the outline for what later became New Spring. <laughs> sort of their backstory of how they met and how she threw him in a pond and then they sort of harassed each other the entire trip with like what was it ants in his pants and a bunch of other like she literally put ants in his pants yeah, yeah. <laughs> real mature marine <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it tells you just how young she was i mean she was a barely 20 something right out of the white tower so that would have been around 20 years ago now because mm-hmm. rand's lifetime essentially yes. ago Moraine asks, and does your bond chafe after all these years? You're not a man to wear a leash easily, even so light a one as mine. It was a stinging comment. She meant it to be so. I wasn't exactly sure why that is a stinging comment. You have an idea about that? Um, He's been faithful, and she's basically saying, you know, is it chafing? Is it bothering you? Is this bothering you? And he's like, dude, come on. I've been here. I've been faithful. <laughs> what why would you it's almost like saying accusing him of being a little unfaithful and being like think if you were in a marriage and someone's like is marriage bothering you you'd be like you still Dude, want to be married that's that's a little i like I'm, okay yeah, I'm invested. That, that makes sense i'm invested me. you know you're, you're calling out my my faith and my dedication to this relationship his voice was cool but he took up the fire tool again and gave the blaze a fierce poking it did not need Sparks cascaded up the chimney. I chose freely, knowing what it entailed. And then he says, Formally, honor to serve, Moraine, I said I. It has been, and will be so, always. Moraine sniffed. Your humility, Landguiden, has always been more arrogance than most kings could manage with their armies at their backs. Yeah, look who's talking. (laughs) (laughs) Moraine, most arrogant. Doesn't doesn't uh, Suan say the arrogance was like bred into her because of her raising in the palace and she doesn't even realize how arrogant she is? Yeah. She says something like that at some point. And so Lan's like, well, why why are you bringing this up? Like, what, why are you talking about this? Before we left Tarvalon, I made arrangements. Should anything happen to me for your bond to pass to another? He stared at her, silent. When you feel my death, you will find yourself compelled to seek her out immediately. I do not want you to be surprised by it. Compelled, he breathed softly, angrily. Never once have you used my bond to compel me. I thought you more than disapproved of that. She has frequently um, said things like passing a bond or bonding a warder against his will is wrong. And and we get equivalents to rape. Pretty yeah. frequently through the series that bonding someone against his will is very rapey. And so this isn't exactly that, but it's definitely coming close. Lan mentions at some point in this conversation that it hadn't been done in hundreds of years. What Moraine is saying that she's going to do. Culture has changed. Yeah. I, I think it used to be the point where I said I would just take someone they wanted and then compel them to serve. I think when it happens to Rand, I can't remember which character says this, but that that was a thing that hadn't happened very much since the Trolloc Wars. The bonding involuntarily? Yeah, I want to say mm-hmm. Varen says something like that. Like it, it happened sometimes during the Trolloc Wars because they would just, I said I would just take soldiers and be like, Dude, you're a warder now because, you know, the world was ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the world as the people at the time knew it. When did warder bonds first start? happening 
after the breaking. Definitely after the breaking. It's a new thing that the Forsaken don't know about. But at what point during those 3,000 years do you think the water bonds became a thing? I'm not sure. So before the Trolloc Wars, I can't think of an example of a bonding happening in the time of Archer Hawkwing. Well, we know Manetherin was a, bo- a bonded pair, the king and queen of Manetherin. So we have, that's the oldest bonded pair I can think of. Me too. And that's, so p- sometime before the Trollic Wars. So it's at least a 2,000-year-old thing. And do you foresee your death coming soon? His voice was quiet, his face expressionless, both like stone in a dead winter blizzard. It was a manner she had seen in him many times, usually when he was on the point of violence. Have you planned something without me that will see you dead? And then she evades. I'm suddenly glad there is no pond in this room, she murmured. Right. She says, I see my death every day, just like you do. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it could at any time. So this makes me think that there is something, again... Something in Min's foretelling makes me think Moraine knows her death is coming. I don't think she has the details necessarily about the portal and all that kind of stuff, because I think that comes with her visions in Ruidion. She must know something about what will eventually happen between her and Lanfear. And she does, in this next scene, ask Bandine specifically about Lanfear. Yeah, specifically about Lanfear. So that, again, that makes me think that she has some inkling of what's going to happen between her and Lanfear. Or she just knows that like she suspects that Lanfear is out because there was that prophecy in the dark prophecy on the walls that was written in the blood of the I'm nodding soldiers or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that mentioned Lanfear. So that might be why she's seeking out Lanfear. It could have nothing to do with her uh, knowledge of her own fate, but just that's true. She does have enough one, at least one other reason mm-hmm. to, Ask specifically about Lamphir. But Moraine says it will the bond will be passed to Myrell, who's a green. We learn a lot about her later. Land seems to know her. Yeah, Myrell, she ends up well, she ends up getting in a lot of trouble for it. But that's <laughs> later in Salidar. Yeah. But that's how his bond eventually gets passed to Nynaeve. And I thought it was interesting that Moraine seems to see that coming already. And I wonder how much of it is for that reason that she, well, with this next line, this isn't a test land, she says, basically. I spoke plainly, not twisting, and I've done as I said. But at Feldara, I began to wonder if you were still wholly with me. A wariness entered his eyes. Moraine sees clearly. She sees that he is falling for Nynaeve. And I, I thought her angle here was interesting because she doesn't just come right out and say anything about Nynaeve. What she says is, why did you do as you did with Rand? She doesn't even mention Nynaeve to him. Yeah. She's like, why, did, why do you care about this young kid so much? I think Moraine suspects that Lan cares about Rand because Nynaeve cares about Rand. So he wants to do what he can to protect him. But Lan, he's either not aware that he's doing that or he's... Uh, Land suggests that it could be could have been the to Rand's Tavera nature. I think it's just something he's in denial about. He likes Nynaeve, and so he wants to make her happy. So what does he do? He takes care of the people she cares about. 
So I, I think a big part of why he's protecting Rand is, you know, kind of to impress the girl, basically. A bit, yeah. Also, he cares about Rand and... And Nynaeve would be destroyed if something happened to Rand. Totally. And he needs the help. Mm -hmm. He has a heavy burden. Yeah, clearly his emotional ties to Nynaeve are affecting his relationship with Rand. You know, he's he's been pretty cold. I imagine he's been around a lot of villagers and probably a lot of young boys. Yeah. Moraine says, like, you couldn't have cared less about any of the Two Rivers folk when we were in the Two Rivers. But once we were in Faldara, you took special interest. All that time with just the three of them traveling together, Moraine, Nynaeve, and Lam. Lan just says, it felt right. That's why I did it. Mackenzie says, I think he also sees Rand as someone similar to himself who is bound to a heavy destiny. Oh, definitely. That's something that I always thought, where in some part of Lan's head, he's saying, you know, this is the dragon reborn. He needs the any tool that can be given to him to help him save creation well, as we know it. Lan believes he's fated to die in his fight against the Blight. And so is Rand. And so is Rand. And so I think he identifies with him a little bit on that level. Yeah, I think so. So there's a lot of reasons why Lan is supporting Rand, but the one Moraine really is trying to get at is Nynaeve. Lan has given his pledge to Nynaeve that he's going to come to her if he's called. Like, that's not compatible with the bond with Moraine and him going wherever she points. No. So they dance around the subject because neither one of them actually talks about Nynaeve. For a time after Lan left, Moraine leaned back in her chair, looking into the fire. She thought of Nynaeve and cracks in a wall. Without trying, without thinking what she was doing, the young woman had put cracks in Lan's walls and seeded the cracks with creepers. Lan thought he was secure, imprisoned in his fortress by fate and his own wishes, but slowly and patiently, the creepers were tearing down the walls to bear the man within. Already, he was sharing some of Nynaeve's loyalties. It's exactly, yeah, the the point of... Yeah, Moraine sees it as changing Lan. Absolutely. This relationship. Lan's just got the best quotes. This one, all men dream, but I know dreams for dreams. This, he touched his sword hilt, is reality. Yeah, (laughs) so John Wayne. He says that right before he leaves. Well, Pilgrim, this is reality. All dreams must end. He's Yeah, he always has the best lines. (laughs) He had always said he was wedded to death. Now a new bride had captured his eyes, though he was blind to it. Moraine has that thought. Yeah, Moraine feels a little bit of jealousy for the first time. You know, I, she, he's actually changing. You know, I think she's she's not jealous in a romantic way, but Lan is hers. I think she feels a little possessive over him. Yeah. That relationship is definitely threatening. She her couldn't ability. have find a, found a guy more qualified for the job, at least. <laughs> No, no, he's he's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's, he's been her rock for 20 years, and he's moving. Hard shifting. planes and stony angles. <laughs> <laughs> and not just physically. Yeah. Sort of a bit of litany of sort of experiences they've had together here. Moraine recalls him riding a horse to death to save her. Yeah. And just how they've they've saved each other time and time again. I noticed, again, she was carried to Anya for healing, who we Anaya. thought was the head of the blue Aja. Yeah. Random I said I note who that person is, which would make sense that she is the, in the blue Aja would turn to the head of, head of the blue Aja for healing. 
Van Dien walks in and they start talking. The first thing that I picked up there was that Van Dien po- says that there's a rumor that somebody's already found the horn. <laughs> yeah, somebody. She gestured with the manuscript on the horn and coughed in the dust that rose from it. I discount that, of course. There would be rumors, but... What? No. You said you wanted privacy, and I'll give it to you. Stop a moment, Moraine said. Perhaps you can answer some questions for me. So this is where what she's looking for isn't necessarily in the books, but sometimes someone who's read everything can pull that information together. Maybe it's not in one book or two books individually, but by having read them all, the conclusions, uh, you can come to your own conclusions that may be helpful. Steam curled over teacups while Moraine chose her questions carefully to find the answers and not reveal too much. The Horn of Valir is not mentioned in the prophecies, but is it linked to the dragon anywhere? I think this is where we get some important information ourselves. This is where we learn that the Horn doesn't really have anything to do with Rand, or very much to do with him. Earlier Rand said he was, I think we were, Rand had a thought where he's like, he, he'd never heard anything about the horn and the dragon being linked together. And that of course, isn't very reliable because it's Rand and he hasn't read any of the prophecies. Yeah. But here we get confirmation of that. I like all the things that Van Dien notices Moraine is reading. She, she sort of goes over all the subjects. Like you're looking at the Trolloc Wars, the watchers over the waves, the legend of the return. Yeah. She's like, what are you studying? The horn of Valir, (laughs) dark prophecies, light prophecies, Forsaken, Shadow Logoth, Prophecies of the Dragon, including three translations and the original. And, I mean, to us this makes sense because it's basically her... It's a combination of Shadow Logoth where the dagger was stolen and then the prophecy about the Watchers on the head. So she's researching the prophecy, basically, is what I'm trying to say. The Dark Prophecy. These are all subjects that basically contain information about what happened in Faldara Keep. Yeah. Moraine's next question is, does anything link the dragon with Tome and Head? Van Dien says yes. Or she believes so. Yeah. Isn't that the bone of contention between her and Adelius? That they sort of disagree on this? Yeah. Um, she says there is a verse. It is... Five ride forth and four return. Above the watcher shall he proclaim himself. Bannered cross the sky in fire. Well, it goes on. The point is, the word Mavron, I'm, I won't read all this, but she says basically that it refers to, yeah, radio's got this. It refers to not just above watchers, but above the watchers, as in the watchers over the waves. But that affects the entire rest of the prophecy, because if it's the watchers over the waves, then that means the dragon will occur in Toman Head. In the sky. In the sky. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, if, it's, in the just, sky if it's just a watcher, it doesn't necessarily link the prophecy to Toman Head. So that key difference in translation of Mavron changes where she thinks the prophecy uh, is applicable. Yeah. If the dragon is reborn and the Horn of Valir found, then the last battle is coming soon, Vandine points out. She's pretty sharp. She yeah. says, what if it's this tame guy? He doesn't have too far to go. And Maureen's like, oh, don't worry about him. He's yeah. not a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need to worry about him. Uh-huh. He'll be dealt with as Loghain was. Except 
he isn't. She's wrong on that account, but he's not the Dragon Reborn. She's right on no, that. No, he's kind of, I mean, he's captured, but then he's freed by the Mandred. Oh, right. What of Shatter Logoth is Moraine's next question. Shatter Logoth. <laughs> Dan being snorted. There's so many subjects in this chapter. She's just jumping all over the place. Yeah. I didn't particularly want to get into that, but I was going to list, list the questions. Yeah. Uh, Moraine says, would a fade take something from Shatter Logoth? And Van Dien says, not if it, he knew what it was. Yeah, no way. So she's trying to figure out why the dagger was taken. Because I think she asked that question in Valdara is, why would a fade? She says, like, why would a fade take a dagger? Like, yeah. doesn't make any sense. But clearly, Fane took the dagger. Yeah, fade didn't take the dagger. Mm-hmm. And then she says, what do you know about the Forsaken, essentially? You do leap from subject to subject. I can tell you a little more than you learned as a novice. No one knows much more of the nameless than that. Do you expect me to ramble on with what we both learned as girls? For an instant, Moraine was silent. And then she decides to mention Lanfear in particular. Although, Vandine doesn't know anything. She gives a little bit away about what she's looking for when she says Lanfear. Yeah. And it sort of drops the last piece in for Vandine to be like, do you have some clue as to where the dragon is reborn or was reborn? Yeah. Um, Vandine does know that Lanfear is linked to the dragon in a way. And that'll be an important thing. And then Moraine does her typical Aes Sedai (laughs) non-answer. If I did, would I be here instead of in the White Tower? Yeah. Yeah, you would be. <laughs> That's Answer what's a question on. with a question, and yeah. it's not a lie. Nope. <laughs> the Amarlin knows as much as I, that I swear. And yeah, that's, that's true. true. And the two of you are covering it up in a conspiracy. Have you received a summons from her? No, and I suppose we would. We must overwhelm him before he has a chance to use it against us, before he can go mad and destroy the world. Yet first, we must let him face the Dark One. Sort of the inherent contradiction the Aes Sedai are constantly struggling with. Yeah. That, like they have it in their bones and their DNA that they have to stop any man from channeling, but they can't stop the dragon reborn. Not until he's does what he needs to do. Although some think that he should be gentle anyway. True. <laughs> dragon gate brings down Suan. it's like a political dragon gate that's good (laughs) a conspiracy among our politicians yeah to support the dragon in secret that's what it is and allow him to reign free and wreck wreck havoc upon the world (laughs) vandian says the signs are everywhere tarman gaidon is coming the dark one will break free and the dragon will be reborn her cup rattled as she set it down i suppose that is why i feared you might have seen some sign of him he will come moraine said smoothly and we will do what must must be done or not do anything which is a lot of moraine's strategy in the beginning here yeah i mean she's trying to gather information and and also let him go his own way a bit so that his to not interfere with his devarenness yeah but she didn't send him off in some random directions, she sent him no. off after the horn. Yeah. With a real plan in place to get that back and then take it down to Ilion and gain an army. So that's really the key piece of information that Moraine needed from Van Dien is that 
the prophecy really does link the dragon to Toman Head. The Watchers over the Waves does link the dragon to Toman Head. So yeah. she basically takes off and... She knows she has to go there. She heads in that direction. And then we don't see her again until the very end of the book, which is kind of sad. Yeah, she's one of my favorite characters. She pulls a Gandalf. She does a couple disappearing acts in the yeah. series. Vandine rose to her feet. Well, I have tasks to be about before bed. If you have no more questions, I will leave you to your studies. But she paused and revealed that however long she had spent with books, she was still of the green Aja. You should do something about land, Moraine. The man is rambling inside worse than Dragonmount. Sooner or later, he will erupt. I've known enough men to see when one is troubled with a woman. You two have been together for a long time. Perhaps he has finally come to see you are a woman as well as I, said I. Which is a good guess <laughs> as to what's going on. It's a, a solid guess that Van Dien makes, but she's yeah, wrong. Yeah, she's wrong, though. Yeah. She's, she's speculating that Lan is starting to fall in love with Moraine. Yeah. Which is not what's going on. Lan sees me as what, as what I am, Van Dien. I said I, and still as a friend, I hope. You blues, always so ready to save the world that you lose yourselves. I love that line. I think it applies really well to Egwene. Yeah. I think that's her whole arc as she spends two years trying to save the world and loses herself. She does make for a good Amerlin in the end because she has very little identity. <laughs> I think is what is that is that kind of what you mean? Oh. When I say that I mean her she spends so much time training and learning from all these different people that she doesn't have a hell of a lot of her own experiences outside of what's, you know, tied to prophecy and what must be done. I'm nodding. It's, I think that's part of why her relationship with Gawain goes so far off the rails is she never takes time to really take time for herself and her relationship. Yeah. She doesn't have the time. She, you know, what is it? The, the candle that burns brightest burns fastest. You know, she burns herself out. Mm -hmm. Maureen walks outside to the garden. After Van Dien leaves, I think she wants to go talk to Lan. She walks outside and sand crunched behind her, and she turned, thinking it was Lan. A shadow loomed dimly only a few paces from her, a shadow that appeared to be a too-tall man, wrapped in his cloak. But the face caught the moon, gaunt-cheeked, pale, with black eyes too big above a puckered, red-lipped mouth. The cloak opened, unfolding into great wings like a bat's. Knowing it was too late, she opened herself to side R, but the drag car began to croon, and its soft hum filled her, fragmenting her will. Side R slipped away. She felt only a vague sadness as she stepped toward the creature. The deep crooning that drew her closer, suppressed feeling. White hands like a man's hands, but tipped with claws reached for her, and lips the color of blood curved in a travesty of a smile. I always liked that phrase. Robert Jordan uses it a couple times. A travesty of a smile. So there's a couple of things in there I want to talk about. First of all, when she stepped out, she had this question on her mind. Yeah. She's trying to think about what she says, what was the answer and what was the question that something occurred to her? And I could not think of any answers for that one. And I was wondering if you had any ideas or anyone in Discord knew what was going on there. She's got some vague answer in her head, and she's thinking about it when she's interrupted by the draw car. 
and we never really get an answer for that. And I was wondering if maybe it had something to do with the prophecies or. I'm not sure what that is. There is something in what Van Dien had said that tugged at her mind, but she could not remember what it was. An answer or a hint to an answer for a question she had not asked, but she could not bring the question to mind either. Could this be like one of her mirror world experiences through in the white tower testing? No, that's with in Ruidion. She hasn't gone through that yet. But the white tower testing, that gives you like possible stuff too, doesn't it? No. No. Because the accepted test is past, present, future situations. The way back will come but once, remain steadfast. And the Aes Sedai test is the hundred weaves while being having your fears tested against you. The, the alternate futures thing happens in the portal stone and when you go through the three rings in Ruidion. She hasn't been to Ruidion yet. No. But the way this is framed makes me think there's something here, and I just can't. I want it to be something. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I, I, that's why I'm asking. Hmm. Yeah, with something like tickling at the back of her head like that, it feels like it would be something like that, but I can't. Uh, I don't know. So, And then the other thing I want to talk about is who do you think sends the Drakkar? Well, Moraine thinks it's Black Aja because they couldn't feel it because it had been warded mm-hmm. with the power it could also be a forsaken could i think it was leandrin leandrin mm-hmm. could be why do you think it was leandrin because we go back to the three sisters that disappeared at the same time moraine leandrin and varen varen and varen we see turns up right away chasing after Rand. Yeah. And she ends up with Inktar in that group. Moraine comes here to see Van Deen and Adelius. Leandrin doesn't show up again until back at the White Tower with the girls. That's a ways away from now. She could have sent this assassin. So I think she... Specifically for Moraine. Exactly. I think she's tracking Moraine. Leandrin... Might have authority to dispatch a shadow spawn. She may also have help. We know that she was at the Dark Friend Social. Mm-hmm. This could have been one of her things. And, and we do know that Drakhar tend to be told what to do by, by Murdral. Yeah. And we definitely see Murdral under the command of other Black Aja at various points, or at least in uh, alliance with them. So I could definitely see it being like, a Murdral with Leandrin under the command of... I mean, it almost works. She's almost dead. Oh, yeah. If it, if it wasn't for Lan showing up at just the right time. I thought I was going to sneeze, but then I didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> just making a weird face at Seth. <laughs> uh, Leandrin's my best guess on this one, and I don't see any evidence for anyone else. I think that's... I'm going with that. Yeah. The timing works. The motivation works. Yeah. She has the means and the motive. The drag car's head bent slowly toward her. She felt only the smallest surprise when a sword blade flashed over her shoulder to pierce the drag car's breast, and a little more when a second crossed her other shoulder to strike beside the first. Who do you think struck first, Lan or Jame? I assumed it was Lan. Me too. 
Yeah, this is a badass scene. Just awesome badass, like. And so then the Drakkar changes its target. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't really think about how a Drakkar targets its crooning. It's not just it's crooning and if you hear it, you're automatically entranced. It actually has to croon to you. Yeah, the because it's Lan and is it Jame? How is it pronounced? Jaime? Jame? Jame, I think is right. Single syllable. We'll go with Jame. It's the easiest. Yeah. <laughs> but Lan and Jame show up, stab the thing, and then it it, it turns its attention to them mm-hmm. to to pull their souls out. Well, just to put them in a trance. Oh, probably. And then get them close. Don't think we have to, I don't know if we mentioned, but Drakkar are just like vampires, right? Like totally creepy, mindless, yeah, totally. soul-sucking vampires. Giant part bat, part man, or, you know, man-sized. Old, old school vampires. Moraine goes to reach for the power, but even as she began, Lan cried out, Embrace death. Jame echoed him firmly. Embrace death. And the two men stepped within reach of the drag car's touch, drove home their blades to the hilt. Throwing back its head, the drag car bellowed, a shriek that seemed to pierce Moraine's head with needles. Even wrapped inside Sidar, she could feel it, like a tree falling. The drag car toppled, one wing knocking Jame to his knees. Land sagged as if exhausted. Which, I mean, they step forward and embrace death after the crooning's targeting them. That's pretty impressive. Most people go catonic, catatonic. Even Moraine does. It's like sheathing the sword. Mm-hmm. They're like, one of us is probably going to die, but we should t- take this thing out with us. I assume that's what's going on through Lan's head. Yeah, I just it's I imagine it's Lan's incredible uh, willpower that just allows him to power through the the crooning the faint bit of compulsion or whatever it is that that crooning hypnotist hip hypno, hypnotic yeah suggestion land sagged as if exhausted so it took like everything he had to resist how adelius demanded could any creature of the shadow come so close without us sensing it it was warded moraine said impossible adelius snapped only a sister could she stopped and vandine turned from jane to look at moraine Moraine said the words none of them wanted to hear. The Black Acha. And we think she's right. I think that's where we're yeah. consensing. So she definitely calls out the Black Acha, but um, in specific, I, I I think she's right, and I think Leandrin is the person who's doing it. And Moraine suggests they hide the body of the drag car so that the villagers aren't like, why are there shadow spawn hanging around on your farm? <laughs> right. Well, the, the two sisters are trying to still maintain their cover. Yeah. They're just two old sisters, not two sisters with Drakkar and I said I and warders. Because they came to the scream of the Drakkar as it died. Yeah. That was sort of ear shri- uh, a shrill, ear-piercing scream. Adelius tells Jame to go to the villagers who will be coming up the hill to see what's happened, and she tells him to lie. I noticed that. Oh, that's one of the best ways I said I lie, is they get their warders to talk for them. Tell them you don't know what made the noise, but all is well here. Slow them down. Shall I read us out? Yeah. I fear I must leave you, Moraine said. Lan, will you ready the horses? As he left, she said, I will leave letters with you to be sent to the White Tower if, if you will arrange it. Adelius nodded absently. 
her attention still on the thing on the ground. And will you find your answers where you are going? Van Dien asked. I may already have found one. I did not know I saw it. I only hope I am not too late. I will need pen and parchment. She drew Van Dien toward the house, leaving Adelia to deal with the drag car. So one of these answers involves the Black Aja? Uh, yeah, that the Black Aja is out. Possibly just that the dragon is linked to Toman Head. Maybe even specifically Leandrin? Maybe. Um, does she know, or does she no. know enough to suspect? No, I don't think so. I'm shrugging. That is a great question. Aradia is asking, how did Leandrin know where to send the drag car, or where exactly Moraine was? It's hard to say. It makes me think that Leandrin followed, that when Moraine took off, Leandrin followed her. And has been following her since. That seems likely. Morgan Cheney says a tracking weave. I have that thought, but wouldn't Moraine be able to detect that? I think she would be. And and Leandrin doesn't know how to invert weaves. Yeah. So I would think it's just old-fashioned tracking and following. Probably. Or possibly, you know, maybe a draw car flying, or who knows. There's there's a lot of sources. We don't see a lot of from the black POV there. start with the patrons we got kind of a wave in the last couple weeks so quite a few people i think that discord's driving a lot of people to pledge i think so too also i put up a couple of posts just telling people like you know it's a buck and you get all this shit for it it's worth it totally worth it a buck is not much at all what to get can access you buy with a dollar yeah. like i think a packet of skittles is like it's like two bucks <laughs> and we're not sending. You know? yeah i mean we're not sending anybody anything for a buck well no but yeah. it, you get the live feed and the bonus episodes yeah which i think is most most of what's what's good yeah you get you get the extra content without the, the little gifts yeah yeah i like i like that i like what we've been doing lately for the patrons that the, i feel like in the beginning we were sort of unprepared and we didn't really have a lot of bonus content, but now that just we've got the it slowly, yeah, just just a couple episodes out there, and the gifts. Uh, I think people were getting the gifts finally. The yeah, the I saw a bunch of feedback. People like tagged us on Instagram. I think that's where where I saw everything. Instagram. I saw a few tweets. John Michael, Tim Juve. I think. Am I getting that name right? Tim that sounds right. Couple couple people said, "What's up on Instagram?" Or like tweet, uh, tweeted out a picture on Instagram. Yeah, sure. Let's just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Instagram to picture on Instagram. Want people to let me know if they haven't received it and they think they should have. At this point, if you're in the U.S., you probably should have gotten it. By the time this episode comes out, international maybe a little longer. It's hard for me to really know how long that sort of stuff takes. Progress is moving forward on getting you into this place so that we're roommates again. And live above the office, which yeah. will be cool. That will be cool. All right, Patrick, you ready to jump into chapter 22? Yeah, we're, we were going to do patrons. Oh, yeah, let's do that first. Uh, thanks for calling me out on that. 
So yeah, we've had a bit of a flood of patrons the last couple of weeks. Fe- this is the beginning of February, and we've had Jesse Kramer up his pledge. Thank you, Kramer. Uh, Jordan Smith pledged. Thank you, Jordan. Tyler Cummings doubled his pledge. We appreciate you. Didn't he just start? I think so. Thank you. Yeah, I think we got him <laughs> on the last time, and now he's up. It's awesome. Rolando Ramirez pledged. The Ashman level. Thank you, Rolando. Luke Morgan went up a, level, a dollar. Wow, this is a lot of people. I know, Thank I'm you, telling Luke. you. Michael Lundstrom pledged. Evan Camilleri. Appreciate you guys. And Kelly Walker. Thanks, Kelly. Awesome. That was quite a few. But yeah, that's like I said, it's been a whole bunch of people have jumped on in the last couple of weeks. It's been kind of exciting to see that growth. Social media stuff grew really rapidly in the last couple of weeks, too. Just the amount of activity and followers. We are halfway done with The Great Hunt. About. Just about? Yeah. Yeah. Looks like it. I'm just looking at the you physically holding the book, and it looks like it's about half the pages. Yeah. That's crazy. Did you ever think we'd get this far? I never thought it would be, like, popular. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assumed we'd persevere and make the project, but, yeah, I just didn't think it would be interesting to people. I assumed we'd peter out before we got to this point. Really? Yeah, honestly. I mean, back when we were first talking about it, I thought we'd, I thought we'd get through book one and no one would have listened and <laughs> we'd be like, oh, well, that was nice. That was fun. Well, let's go back to doing our thing. Yeah. I talked about this in the thank you letter to patrons where knowing that there are people dedicated, dedicated people out there listening and like sending us money to help keep us going actually makes us want to continue. Like if nobody, you know, if we had like 12 listeners, we we certainly wouldn't sit here like on a, on a pretty predictable basis every week. Right, right. Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. Is that good enough?